0: Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. I'm I'm excited about the message this morning. I'm excited about what the Lord, uh, this topic in general, if... Wherever you are in your Christian journey, if you get greater revelation, if you receive greater revelation of what we're going to talk about this morning and practice it in your life, you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. That is not hyperbole. I'm not exaggerating, I'm telling you for a fact, based on the authority of God's word and my own personal experience, you will not be the same. And by the way, in case you think God just does it for me because I'm the pastor, that's not true. I could have dozens of testimonies of people up here, right out of this group, who would say, yes, I've experienced this. Now, wherever you are, though, in your Christian journey, and you say, okay, I know this. It's amazing how much we know that often we don't experience, at least not to the fullness, not to the abundance that the Lord intended for us to experience. So we're going to talk about that this morning. We're, this idea of praising, of prayer being more, as a matter of fact, one of the ways we describe it around here is worship-based prayer. Do you know what worship-based prayer is? We often contrast it with request-based prayer which is what most of us recognize as prayer. I have a need, and so I go to God. I have a request, and I make that request known. That's request-based prayer. Jesus, help me with this, or Lord, I need this, or give me this, or whatever. That's, and by the way, that's fine. We are instructed, when Jesus gave the model prayer, he, he instructed us to ask for our daily needs. So it's not inappropriate or wrong or unbiblical to have request-based prayer. But somehow... In the Christian church in America, it seems that over, at least in my lifetime, it seems that often, almost exclusively, our prayer has been request-based and not worship-based. And because of that, we are missing this huge dynamic of what God wants to do in our lives personally, what, how he wants to change us because we worship. Because I can tell you, there's something that God does when you worship him that's different than when you just ask something of him. And request something. Both are necessary. Both are part of prayer and the Christian life. But if you only have one, you're like a bird trying to fly with one wing. It doesn't work very well. So we're going to focus this morning. So everything I say does not mean you should not ask God for things, okay? Are we clear? Did I make that clear? You should ask. You can make requests. God instructs us to do so. James says you have not because you ask not or because you ask with the wrong motive. All right, so we are supposed to ask. But I want to focus on the other side. I want to focus on the other wing, if you will, today, on worship-based prayer and what it looks like. And Psalm 100 is a great place to do that. I was thinking back to when I grew up and and, in school and children's church and, and Sunday school, we had to memorize verses. We had to memorize passages of Scripture. The first one that I remember memorizing, I shared this with you months ago when I preached on Psalm 23, was that Psalm, Psalm 23. It was the first passage I remember memorizing. The second was the one we're looking at today, is Psalm 100. Um, It is very, very familiar. Most of us, if you grew up years and years ago and memorized it out of King James, it starts with make a joyful noise unto the Lord, right? Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. How many of you have a translation today in front of you, it doesn't start that way? All right, look at it. It doesn't start with make a joyful noise, right? Most of our modern translations don't translate it that way. Um, they translate it, shout joyfully to the Lord. And and either way, it's fine because the Hebrew word, really, that's what it means. It means a joyful exclamation. Shout joyfully or joyful noise, either way, is a good translation of that. Before we get into the psalm and break it apart, and I'm going to show you the different pieces of it, I want to show you, I want to read something to you. And it's kind of depressing, okay? You say, why are you going to start with depressing? Because the good news is going to come. I'm going to give you the bad news first, and then I'm going to give you the good news, all right? This was written by Stephen Turner, who was an English journalist. It's called Creed on the Modern Mind. He wrote it 20 years ago. I happened to stumble across it. And as he's going through, he's describing with great accuracy what we see taking place, not just in the American culture, but in the Western culture, the the entire West. Um, What we see transpiring here in these days. Because we are engaged in worship As a world, we're engaged in worship, but we've changed the one that we're worshiping, and we see the consequences of doing so. This is called Creed, and um, it's powerful, as you see. I want to read it to you as we begin. Stephen Turner says, We believe in Marx, Freud, and Darwin. We believe everything is okay, and that's the truth. As long as you don't hurt anyone, to the best of your definition of hurt, and to the best of your knowledge... We believe in sex before, during, and after marriage. We believe in the therapy of sin. Stop and think about that. We do. We believe in the therapy of sin. You say, Troy, I don't believe in any of these things. The reality is even though sometimes those of us say we don't believe them, we live them. We believe that adultery is fun. We believe that sodomy is okay. We believe that taboos are taboo. We believe that everything is getting better despite evidence to the contrary. We believe there's something in horoscopes, UFOs, and bent spoons. Jesus was a good man, just like Buddha, Muhammad, and ourselves. He was a good moral teacher, though we think his good morals were bad. We believe that all religions are basically the same, at least the one that we read was. Did you catch that? At least the one that we read. All of them are the, same. the one I read was that way. They all believe in love and goodness. They only differ on matters of creation, sin, heaven, hell, God, and salvation. Is that all? We believe that after death comes the nothing. Because when you ask the dead what happens, they say nothing. If death is not the end, if the dead have lied then it is compulsory heaven for all, except perhaps Hitler, Stalin, and Genghis Khan. We believe in Masters and Johnson. How many of you know who Masters and Johnson are? Okay. If you're younger and you don't know who Masters and Johnson are, they were therapists uh, who, who studied at great length sexual, human sexuality. Uh, their statement, and I'm quoting them, their statement was to remove the religious taboos and the cultural ignorance away from sex. That was their goal and their plan. All right? So we believe in Masters and Johnson. What's selected is average. Now you've got to think through what he's saying here. This is power. What's selected is average. In other words, what I pick is average. What's average is normal, what is normal is good.
1: What I pick
0: is average, and average is normal and normal is good. So basically, whatever I pick is good. I decide. We believe in total disarmament. We believe there are direct links between warfare and bloodshed. Yes, there is. All right? Americans should beat their guns and detractors, and the Russians would be sure to follow. You can tell this is 20 years old, right? Although we're kind of coming back around, full circle. We believe that man is essentially good it is only his behavior that lets him down. We believe that each man must find the truth that is right for him. Reality will adapt accordingly. The universe will readjust, and history will alter. There is probably not a truer statement in this creed than what he just said there. Every man finds his own truth, and then everything else has to adjust around me to line up with my new reality, what I call truth. The problem is, is the universe does not readjust for you or me. History doesn't alter. Life doesn't change. The way God designed things does not change just because you and I discover our own truth. We believe that there is no absolute truth, accepting the truth that there is no absolute truth. We believe in the rejection of creeds and the flowering of individual thought. Now he ends with this. If chance be the father of all flesh, in other words, everything just happened, disaster is his rainbow in the sky. And when you hear, and remember, he's a journalist, so he's going to give you headlines now. And when you hear state of emergency... Sniper kills ten. Troops on rampage. Whites go looting. Bomb blasts school. It is but the sound of man worshiping his maker. It's powerful. I looked a little bit into Stephen Turner. He wrote for Rolling Stone magazine. It's like, anyway, the disconnect there. But God was doing something in Steve Turner as he's looking at this. As a matter of fact, he wrote a book about the impact of of. Music and religion and how they inter- intertwine and intersect. And... But at the end of that, he says, when we see all these horrible headlines, these things that we would look at and think, this is awful, this is terrible, how can that be? I don't understand it. It is simply an indication of man worshiping his maker. In other words, in all of what he said, man has replaced God with himself and we are worshiping ourselves, and this is the result. I told you it was bad news. But isn't it true? I mean, you read through that, and you look at the Western culture, and it's true. And it's moving at an ever-increasing pace. The reason I started with the bad news is because it makes the good news even better. When you understand the bad news, and I don't deny the bad news. I'm not going to deny the reality of what we see in our culture, what we're experiencing. What often we experience in our own families. But here's the good news. That if once again we rediscover what the truth is—that we were made to worship and we were made to worship our Maker—and that is not us—and you're going to see that in this Psalm 100. See, God, address, he addresses this through David. That we once again line up. I heard a great def- definition of sin recently. Sin is simply taking what God designed and using it for another purpose. That's sin. Just taking what God designed and using it for another purpose, which is what we've done. And we have the consequence of that. He says, if you'll take what I designed and allow me to work through you and line up again, use it for what I designed it for, you'll discover that my plan really was great. That my plan, my design is perfect. It's great. So I want us to look at that together. Look with me in Psalm 100, beginning in verse 1. Psalm 100 verse 1 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord or shout joyfully to the Lord. All the earth, everybody, all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. And by the way, some of you, when you see singing or song, you think, I'm not really good at singing or song. I don't sing well or i not able to do that. The Hebrew word here translated singing really is just exclaiming. And like we've talked about before, you don't have to sing per se, just speak. If you can speak... You can do what this psalm says. You can declare who God is with your voice, which is what it's talking about. You can do that in melody. You can do it in song. Song is a great way to, to accomplish that. But it doesn't have to be in melody. It doesn't have to even rhyme. It just has to be spoken. It has, here's the thing. Worship doesn't have to be singing or it doesn't have to look a certain way, but it does have to be expressed. Worship must be expressed. You can come in here on Sunday morning when we're gathering and we're worshiping and we're singing together and you say, I can't sing, but you still can engage, you can express even without singing. So when you see this through the psalm, that's what he's talking about. It's an expression of who God is. You and I expressing. We were made to express and we're called to do it. One of the best definitions, the simplest definition I've ever heard of worship is love expressed. It is the simplest, but maybe one of the best I've ever heard. Love expressed. It must be love, and it must be expressed. He goes on, next verse. No, actually, before I go to that, can I tell you something in the first two verses? As we go through this psalm, it breaks into three parts. And these same three parts are in Ephesians and Colossians, and I'm going to show you in just a minute. But it's really important to see this because when you understand this, it, it will, there's something in the New Testament we're commanded to do that we often ask, how do we do that? This is going to connect with it. And you're going to see one of the ways that God designed for you and I to follow a command that we have in the New Testament. All right? The three parts that are here the first one is joy. This psalm begins with joy. You're going to see in the second part, the next two verses, you're going to see submission. And then, or in the next verse, in verse 3, and then verse 4 and 5, you're going to see thankfulness, all right? Joy, submission, thankfulness. If you go to the New Testament, to Ephesians chapter 5, and it talks about being filled with the Spirit, you're going to see the same sequence, it's just the order has changed a little bit, but you're going to see these same three parts, joy, thankfulness, submission. Verse 19, 519 talks about joy, 520 talks about thankfulness, and 21 through part of chapter 6 talks about submission, I want you to just understand that what we're talking about here is connected with being filled with the Holy Spirit in chapter 5 of Ephesians, okay? Colossians does the same thing in Colossians 3. You have these same three. You see joy, thankfulness, submission. Here in Psalm 100, you have joy, submission, then thankfulness. But you have the same three that are taking place, all right? And there's a connection. And I'm going to show them to you as we go through this, all right? Look at verse 3 with me. The first two verses about joy. Verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. The King James says, it is he who made us and not we ourselves. We didn't make ourselves. We are not God. We are not our maker. See, this is what we were talking about at the end of that creed by Steve Turner. We are not our maker. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. This whole verse is saying, you need to understand the order here. God is creator, you are the created, and you were designed to worship him, to find joy in him, but also to submit to his design, his creation, the way he made you, and the way he made life. You submit to it. So you have joy, you have submission. Then look at the next verses with me. Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Here's the thankful part. And his courts with praise, give thanks to him and bless his name. There is this thankfulness, this gratitude that's flowing over. By the way, as I shared with you a moment ago in Ephesians 5, when it talks about be filled with, don't be drunk with wine, wearin' is success. Or some versions say dissipation. Don't be. Don't be intoxicated. Don't try to find meaning and purpose and freedom and release and whatever you're looking for in some kind of stimulant, some kind of external stimulant that's going to make you feel better. He said, do not look for it there. He says, I'm going to do something internally in you that's much more significant, that will completely change who you are. He says, don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with spirit. And then he talks about joy. And then he talks about thankfulness, and then he talks about submission. By the way, in your life and my life, when the filling of the Spirit, this ongoing work of the Spirit, when it's happening, you will see joy, you will see thankfulness, you will see submission. You and I are not capable of any of those on a regular basis in the way that he intended, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. You are not capable of joy. You say, oh, I get happy all the time has nothing to do. Happiness and joy are not the same thing. You and I are not capable of joy. We are not capable of thankfulness, and we are not capable. We're not capable of submission apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in us. We may do it sometimes, occasionally. It's kind of like in Steve Turner's Creed. Man is basically good. It's just his behavior that betrays him. See, we say, oh, yeah, I can do that. I don't really need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I can be joyful. I can be thankful. I can be submissive. All right. Would you allow us to send a film crew with you for just one day? Just one day. And we'll all come back and look and see how you did. See, here's the, here's the tragic part of that. Even if you knew that film, have, how many of you watch reality TV shows? Whatever those reality, how many of you have seen reality TV shows, all right? Sometimes I'm just, I have to admit, I'm a sucker sometimes. I am fascinated by people's lives and the train wreck, usually, of life. It just, I sit there and just, I'm overwhelmed. And what really overwhelms me is they let somebody come in and film this. That's what really overwhelms me. And they know the camera's there and they still can't help themselves but we're the same way. We'd know the camera was there and we still couldn't help ourselves. Why? Because it is the power of the Spirit in me that does this, not my flesh, not my own strength. I'm not changed by my mind, my will. I can be changed a little bit, maybe. But this is something supernatural we're talking about, the power of the Spirit in me, changing me. Worship this praising, having worship-based prayer is directly connected to the filling of the Holy Spirit. They go together. And I never understood this as a young believer. Never got it. Even as an older believer, I never got it. It took years for me to begin to see that this wor- the reason worship-based prayer is so important is it directly connected... The scripture says, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we say, how do we do that? Well, Luke tells us, if we ask, we get. Okay, so I'm asking for the filling of the Holy Spirit. So we know that. We've done that through the years. Lord, we're asking for the Holy Spirit. Okay, I've asked. But scripture also teaches me that I ask for something in faith, and then I begin walking in faith, walking out, believing I've received what I've asked for. Scripture teaches that, right? Okay, so how do I walk in faith after I've asked the Lord to fill me with his spirit? How do I walk that out in faith? What's a practical step then that I take to walk in faith? It is to begin to worship him. It is to begin to have worship-based prayer. It is to begin to do, you say, well, I don't, because what we do, how, let me ask it this way. How many have asked the Holy Spirit to fill you at some point or whatever? You're, you're, you're struggling with something, you just know you should do this, or you're feeling a certain way, and it's, it's kind of icky, not really good, and so you ask the Lord to fill you with his Holy Spirit, and you were expecting something just to switch like lightning, and, and it all happened right there in a second, in an instant, and it didn't quite happen that way. Anybody ever had that experience? Yeah. Right? And then we hear about somebody else who prayed about being fair, and then boom, something like that really did happen to them, and we think, well, that doesn't seem fair, Lord. Why didn't they get that, and I did, and I want that. I'm here to tell you that all through Scripture, you're going to see, that you see it in the Old Testament, you see it in the New Testament. We're going to believe God. We're going to receive by faith what he's saying. We're going to ask, receive it by faith, and then we're going to step out walking in what it is he says he's going to do. When it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the ways that we do that is to be able to have this worship-based prayer. Several years ago, someone sent me a quote by William Temple, he was Archbishop of Canterbury. He died in 1944. But he defined worship. And he said there are five there are five parts of our being that are engaged in true worship. And they all have to be engaged. The first part, he says, is the spiritual part. There's the spiritual part. There's the mental part. There's the imaginational part. By the way, that's a word. I looked it up. Imaginational is an ad, it's an adverb. All right. Um, but it's the imaginational part of us. There is the emotional part. And there's the volitional part, five parts. Volitional means will, what we want. So we have spiritual, mental, imaginational, the creative part of who we are, emotional, volitional. He said it this way, William Temple. He said that we have to have our conscience quickened by his holiness, made alive brought to life, sensitive, have our conscience quickened by his holiness, nourishment of mind by his truth, purifying of imagination by his beauty. I love that because we have so much that wants to corrupt our imagination and our culture. But the worship of God purifies the imagination. Purifying the imagination by his beauty. The opening of the heart to his love, the submission of the will to his purpose. All of these brought together, lifted up in adoration, is the greatest expression as human beings that we can have. This is worship. It's all five parts of us it's the spiritual part, the conscience part of us, it is the mental part of us, our mind, it is our imagination and creativity, it is our heart, our feelings, our emotions. And it is our will. All of it wrapped up. I was having a conversation with one of my daughters recently, and we were talking about, for some reason, my kids, I don't know if they've been watching certain movies or whatever, and people are rediscovering that there was music in the 80s. Um, Have you guys noticed that? Because my kids will come and go, Dad, have you ever heard this song? And they start playing it, and they say, What's the name of that song? I said, It's Gloria. Because they just keep saying it over Gloria, Gloria. How many remember? How many from the 80s? You remember, all right? Um, and then Kay's like, you know the song Barracuda? Yes, I know Barracuda. All right. All, there was music in the 80s, okay? So somebody asked me, he said, do you, well, do you like them? I said, here's the deal. As I've gotten, when I was younger, I probably did like all of those things. But as I've gotten older, I realize that they are incapable of allowing me to worship from all five of these places that we just talked about. See, it's not whether something is good or bad. We're asking the wrong question. Well, is this good music or is this bad music? Well, some of it really is bad. But in general, sometimes it's not good or bad. The wrong question is being asked. Does it allow me to worship God from all five parts of my being? Some music just won't let you do that. Some music can touch your, the creative, imaginative part of you. Even some secular music can do that. It may touch your emotions in some way. It may even speak some truth to you in some ways. But it is not capable of allowing you to worship from all five parts. So as I was sharing with my kids, I don't really feel like I have the time or the luxury for music in my life anymore that doesn't help me worship and respond to God from all five parts of who I am. Doesn't make it necessarily bad or evil or wrong. I'm not condemning you if you listen to something that's not, quote, Christian or praise and worship music. I'm just simply saying that there are types of music, they don't have the ability to cause all of my being to be in worship to all that he is. They don't allow me to do that. All of us caught up into this. Now, worship based prayer. Are we just worshiping Him? We could just call it worship. But I call it that because some of you immediately hear worship and you think singing. And I want to break that connection. Worship doesn't automatically mean singing, although, singing is a big part. Of what we do and who we are, and that's great. But it's okay if you listen to somebody else singing. That can also be worship. You know, you're riding in your car and you're listening to the radio or the iPod or whatever, and there's worship. But there's, there's praise and worship music, and your spirit is lifted, your heart is lifted. You may find yourself joining in or, or at least saying the words or your heart being lifted up because, again, it's all far, five parts of your being lifted up in worship to God, and it changes you. It changes the atmosphere where you are. I mean, more than, you know, my wife ran away and ran over the dog as she was going. You know, that doesn't do a lot. Does it make it evil? No. Matter of fact, it probably happened to somebody. But it doesn't have the ability to lift me where God wants to take me. I want to make this as practical as I know how today, in the time that I've got here. So I want to give you some ideas, and then I want to give you a challenge. I want to give you a problem. You got homework tonight, okay? You got homework this week with this message. You need to ask some other believers how do they worship? How do they worship in their data? I'm not talking about when they come and gather here. How do you worship when you're not here? how do you do that? Ask them. I'll give you some ways I do it, okay, just to kind of spur you on. And you may already be aware of this. You may have better ways. That's the reason we ask one another, and we learn from one another. When I was in Russia years and years ago, it seems like another lifetime, but when I was there, we walked a lot. We'd ride the subway, and we would walk a lot and so you have these long commutes and things where you're walking and you've got time. And so we try to fill that time with praying. We're praying for where we were going, the ministry that we'd be doing, for souls to be saved. We do. But sometimes, day after day, you feel like I'm praying the same stuff over and over again, over again. And so it's like, okay, Lord, I don't want to sound this way, but prayer's gotten kind of boring. And by the way, it's okay to be honest with God. He knows anyway. You just tell him, Lord, prayer's kind of boring. And we keep praying the same stuff over and over again. And so I prayed a prayer that God began to immediately to answer for me. And I still pray it to this day. God, I want creativity. Give me creativity as I talk to you and as I listen. I want creativity. I don't want to keep doing it the same way over and over again. And so the Lord gave me an idea. He said, I want you to take the alphabet and just start going through the alphabet and have a name, one of my names or a character quality that I have for each letter of the alphabet. You can have more than one. And so we would I do that, start going through, he's alpha, he's almighty, you know, and, you get, and he's the bread of life and he's the bright morning star and, and, and you go through the, he's the counselor, comforter, you, you, you go through these and, and God would give you different ones. And then the Lord said, okay, now I want you to ask me how I demonstrate one of those, one of those I'm going to have stand out to you and I'm gonna, you ask me, how do I demonstrate that? How am I demonstrating that in your life right now? so I would ask him, and he would give me an, an illustration. He'd give me a picture. He'd tell me. You know, he'd bring something to mind. Oh, Lord, that's how you're demonstrating that. And then I would begin immediately. See, here, nobody had to tell me. As soon as he showed me, immediately praise would spring out. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And so you just begin to praise him. As we were walking along, we would praise him. And usually there were more than one of us together. So we would do this together, you know, different ones. it kind of bounce around. Just going through the alphabet. And then the Lord would give other creative ideas. One day we were reading in Ephesians and it talked about the armor. And it says we're to put these things on. So we began to say, okay, Lord, how do we do that? And we get to pray through putting all the pieces of the armor on. Lord, what does that look like when you put that on? Lord, would you... Again, it was, it was just talking to him. It was, and then he would show us something and we'd just pray, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you gave us the armor. Thank you that you thought about all these pieces, that you know who we are and how you made us. Lord, thank you that you designed it this way. Thank you, Lord, that the belt of truth, it holds everything together in my life. Thank you that you are truth, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I'm telling you, folks, it's endless. It, there is an endless possibility to praise, to worship, to declare who God is. You begin to read Scripture differently. You read a Scripture and it stands out to you and you turn it into praise and worship that passage there are situations that you're going through just your day-to-day life it doesn't see sometimes we try to make this way too spiritual just the normal things of life you begin to ask god give me give me eyes to see and then a heart that wants to praise you Whatever it is, we were riding to church this morning. Elizabeth was sitting next to me. She goes, Dad, have you ever noticed that the gate there to our neighborhood looks like a mustache? I go, no, I really never did. And I look at it and I start laughing. And, and I look at it she's right. It looks like a mustache. And so I just thought, Lord, thank you. Thank you for creativity. Thank you that somebody designed a gate that looks like a mustache. Lord, thank you for a daughter who has eyes to see it. Lord, thank you for the smile and the laughter that you bring to my heart as we experience it together. Do you begin to see there's no limit to praise? There's no limit to worship? You say, but Troy, that all sounds good, and I do that sometimes, but a lot of times I just don't feel like it. Okay. Um, Can I tell you a secret? Do it anyway. Do it anyway. This is the key. It's to worship when you don't feel like worshiping. It's to begin to walk in obedience to what the Lord has revealed before I feel like doing it. And you'll be amazed how he changes the way you feel. I've been amazed in my own life. What I didn't want to do because I didn't feel like it, then I began to do because I knew I should do it, even though I didn't feel like doing it. And Amazingly, I began to enjoy the thing I didn't want to do. And that happens over and over. Why? Because it's the power of the Spirit. It's you and I responding by faith and the filling, the working of the Holy Spirit. When you and I praise, when we praise, we are actively engaged by faith in the work that God promised He would do, which is continuously fill us with His Spirit, cause us to overflow. You can do it in song. And again, if you don't sing, just speak the words. That's okay. Lord, and again, you run out of ways to praise. Say, Lord, I've praised you for the same thing four days in a row. Okay? You know I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my wife, my children. I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful for where we live. I'm I'm thankful for my salvation. I'm thankful for all those things. And we should never get over any of those things. But Lord, there's so much more to who you are and what you do. Would you give me something? Would you speak? Would you remind me of something I don't see? And you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed what he does. Do you know what the opposite of joy is? I share this with you because it helps me. How do I know I'm not being filled with the Spirit? It's not this ongoing process. I have the opposite of joy. I have the opposite of thankfulness, and I have the opposite of submission. That's how I know. You're going to know the same way. You just look at your life and say, I don't have joy, I don't have thankfulness, and I'm not submitting. You know what the opposite of joy is? I begin to think about it. Lord, what is the opposite of joy? Well, to be unhappy. No, that is not the opposite of joy, I don't think, biblically. The opposite of joy is yoj. It's backward, Y-O-J, yoj. That's the opposite. And we'll say, that doesn't help at all. It might, it might. How many of you have ever heard the little acronym, Jesus, Others, Yourself, for joy? How many of you have heard that before? Okay. It's true, by the way. That order, that priority, it's amazing how that produces joy in us, Jesus, others, and then yourself. If you reverse it, Yoj, yourself, others, and Jesus, actually, it doesn't matter what order you put the other two in, if you put yourself first, you don't have joy. The opposite of joy is selfishness. The opposite of joy is self-centeredness. Plain and simple. You say, how do you know that? Hebrews said so. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. What joy was set before him? It was the joy of obeying his Father and the joy of what that was going to mean to all mankind. So the will of the Father and the impact that was going to have on people was what brought joy to Jesus. It brings joy to you and me as well. The opposite of joy is selfishness. It's me, 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 me. Think about it. When you're focused on you, are you ever happy? I mean, really, truly? When you're looking at you, what you have, what you don't have, what you wish you had, what you said, what you said, didn't say what you wished you'd said. What somebody said to you, what you wish they'd said to you. I mean, all it's all about you. I have never met a per- person, ever, focused on themselves who was happy. Never. Who was experiencing joy. Why? Because God designed life a certain way. And though it seems crazy to you and me, it's true, nonetheless. Now, we try, and as Americans, we have gone out of our way to create all these ways that we can focus on ourselves and bring ourselves joy and happiness. And we are the most unhappy, you know, antidepressant-filled culture on the planet. Medically speaking, we sell more antidepressants than we do anything else. Ungrateful. Obviously, the opposite of gratitude is ingratitude. We can Let me say it a different way, though, because we use these words and they go right over us. Um, let's say uh, surly, negative, um, critical. Those are all the opposite. Those are, those are antonyms of being grateful, being thankful. Learning to be thankful, to thank the Lord for things that you never even thought to thank him for before. God, give me eyes to see. This is what all of Psalm 100 is about. Shout to the Lord. Make a joyful noise. Shout to the Lord. All the earth, everybody, be engaged in this, declaring how great he is, how much we have to be thankful for. You say, but what if I'm going through something awful in my life? You still have much to be thankful for. Do you know Jesus? Then you never run out of things to be thankful for. And here's the better question, does he know you? Because he knows you, you never run out of things to be thankful for. And the scripture says that if I'm in Christ, it's not just I know him, he knows me. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. I'm telling you, if the Lord will give you greater revelation of this. It changes, it transforms your life. And in my own life, I can, I can tell you, I know when, I'm not, when the filling of the Spirit's not happening in my life because I get self-centered, I get critical, I'm grumpy, and I'm certainly not submissive. Nobody's going to tell me what to do when I'm in that state. Are you any different? I can do what I want. I'm going to do it my way. No matter what, I was about to use one of my dad's sayings, but my wife has told me that nobody understands those, so I've quit. She said, Troy, you say those and you say them so fast, nobody understands what they mean. So I I quit. All right. But dad would have a saying for this, and it would mean that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. You're going to do it your way no matter who it hurts or, or what happened. Well, he used to say, I'm going to do what I want to do if it hairlips hell in half of George County, all right? <laughs> now, most of you are like, what? Yeah, Lori's like, what does that mean? It means that I'm going to do what I want to do, and it doesn't matter who gets hurt along the way or what the consequences are. I'm just going to do what I want to do. You guys, I don't know what you're laughing at over there, but anyway... Now see, that's the problem. You'll go out of this message and you'll be thinking about that and forget everything else I said. All right. But isn't it true? We get self-centered, critical, grumpy. I mean, even your own mother wouldn't want to be with you when you get that way. And then on top of that, I'm going to do it my way and I don't care who says what or tells me what. I'm just going to do it my way. I'm telling you that the, the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit changes that in you and me. And that the key to the filling of the Spirit is asking Him to fill you and then walking by faith in response and praising Him, worshiping Him, talking about who He is. And you can do it in a million different ways. He'll give you creativity in it, but you're going to be amazed because it will change. You say, well, Troy, isn't this, isn't this not being honest because it's not how I feel at the moment? It's not going, on. wait a second. No, it's not dishonesty at all to be able to express to the Lord. Lord, here's how I feel right now, but I know that what you say is greater than how I feel. Don't we know that? That what he says is more important than how I feel. As a matter of fact, what he says will change the way I feel. If I could encourage you in any way as your pastor, For something to become as natural in in the other six days when I don't see you here. I may see you out and about, but I don't see you here. In those days that you discover, you rediscover, you discover in fresh new ways what it is to worship the Lord in prayer, in song, in words, in the things that you speak out. It'll change your life. This is the message of Psalm 100. That's what he's saying. I want you to bow your heads with me. Or I'm going to ask you to come play. the Holy Spirit saying to you? In my own wisdom, my own flesh, I would try to apply this message for you and that'd be a big mistake. What's he saying to you? would ask you this question. Your day-to-day life, is it characterized by praising, worship-based prayer, declaring who God is? And not just one time during the day. You say, well, I start my day that way, Troy. Great, don't stop. Just add two. I used to think that 1 Thessalonians was... Impossible, when it talks about praying without ceasing. But you can't pray without ceasing. If you learn how to live life this way, you will pray without ceasing. It will become as natural as breathing. You'll worship him, you'll talk to him, you'll listen. And you'll never be the same. We are changed in his presence. And when I praise him, when I acknowledge him, I experience his presence. So do you. You walk out of here today tomorrow you're in a situation and you want to be critical of someone, you want to speak critically and negatively of someone what if you were to ask the Lord right now to remind you of what we're talking about here and that instead the words that come out of your mouth would be praise there'd be adoration to God be declaring who he is what he's done do you think you would look like? What would your week look like if empowered by the Holy Spirit you could live that way? What if instead of being discouraged and overwhelmed by the things I've asked God for that haven't I haven't seen it happen yet? If I was prompted by the Spirit and I could... Thank him for what I have seen happen. And to declare, Lord, I know that you're faithful. And even though I haven't seen it yet, I can trust you. Because that's who you are. What would your week look like? What would you look like in that week? I don't believe I'm exaggerating when I say that our lives would be forever changed as we understand the revelation of what David was talking about in Psalm 100. Lord, in this place right now, as you speak to our hearts, as you speak we receive faith from you faith to believe what may even seem impossible i know that there are those in this room and they say pastor that's all fine but you don't know my situation you don't know what i'm walking through right now and i don't but jesus you do it's interesting, Lord, that you said that we are to offer the sacrifice of praise. It's an interesting term, Lord, that you used. Sacrifice, something has to die, something has to go. We offer the sacrifice of praise. So, Lord, would you speak to each heart here? Cause faith to come and to grow would you by your spirit fill and bring under control under subjection our flesh so that we wouldn't reason away your truth would you bring a a healing and an openness and our emotions to know as paul said the height and the depth and the breadth of your love Lord, this happens as we worship you. Lord, would you purify our imagination? We've often been imagining the wrong thing and expecting the wrong thing. And Lord, as you do that, would you make our conscience more alert? Would you make it, would you quicken it as... William Temple said, make it alive by your holiness. Lord, thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I'm trusting you this morning because in many ways I am completely inadequate to convey this great truth. There's so much more here, Lord, than I have words to express. But, Lord, we trust you. You have no problem expressing who you are and causing us to see it. So, Lord, we're trusting you. And, Lord, I pray for the one here today that before even the joy and the thankfulness, they've got to start at submission that there's never been submission to you. There's never been a place to say, Jesus, you are my only hope. I have no other. I'm lost, I'm undone without you. Would you move by your Spirit? Call them today. Bring them to that place. Allow us, Lord, Lord, If you choose, allow us to be involved in that process, to encourage and to pray with. Lord Jesus, all of life is about you. Even as Lori plays that, Jesus, it is you. We, we get confused and mixed up and go off on tangents in the wrong direction, but Lord Jesus, it is You. All of life. All the joy. All the purpose and meaning. All of it found in You. Thank You for what You're doing. As You fill us with Your Spirit, allow us to experience Your joy You say it's a fruit of the Spirit. Lord, make us more grateful and thankful and expressors of that. Cause us to express thankfulness and gratefulness. Lord, cause me to do it. I want to express thankfulness so much more than I do. And then, Lord, by your Spirit, we submit. We submit. I pray that as this week goes on and we talk to other believers and ask them how do you worship during the week that you're going to give us testimonies you're going to encourage us and strengthen us with the testimonies of others and that each of us can come back next week and have new testimonies ourselves of what it is to worship to be able to pray and not just ask you for things but to declare who you are and to give thanks express our gratitude Lord, would you do this work by your Spirit? And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.